You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. everybody and welcome back to circling seattle sports on converge media i am your host as always charles hammaker here with you on this uh 2023 memorial day for you uh full week of course nothing else really slowing down i know i mentioned last week how i said the seahawks are going to kind of slow down but they have otas so i lied about that um it's it's packed here we've got some we've had on and off nice weather i mean it's a little uh, a little breezy today but that's besides the point. We'll get into it here with our Seahawks. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, OTAs are starting. So we've got a bunch of movements in and out of camp um, and some injuries uh, that had to go uh, under surgery. So that is interesting here. Uh, some domino effects within the Seahawks uh, because of stuff like that. On May 22nd, as we go straight into team notes here, the team signed nose tackle Latrell Bumpus. Um, and as a corresponding move, waived uh, outside linebacker Chris Garrett. Um, and on the same day, this is the 22nd, uh, the team signed cornerback Artie Burns. Now, if you remember, Burns was signed last year as a free agent um, from the Chicago Bears. He came along um, with the coaching staff hires that were made because of this familiarity there. Um, I believe that was a Sean Desai hiring. Um, but he didn't play much, you know, he's a, an active scratch, uh, many games and just really didn't do much in that Seattle cornerback room, especially considering the younger cornerback talent that uh, really emerged in, in a guy like Tariq Woolen. Speaking of Woolen, on the 23rd, he underwent surgery. Uh, tied last year for the legally interceptions, Tariq underwent arthroscopic knee surgery uh, that is expected to sideline him until training camp. Uh, Woolen injured his knee while walking on the practice field for OTAs one week ago. Doctors reviewed the injury and said that Woolen uh, would go undergo surgery in Houston, which went as well as the doctors could have hoped. It is considered something minor. So you can see here that we've got Burns coming back for a reason like that, you know, create some competition in camp. Keep, you know, keep that intensity up. Uh, and you've got a veteran in the cornerback room. So it's not the worst thing in the world. It was a little confusing at first to hear that they were bringing Burns back, especially considering in that you dra- uh, considering that you drafted uh, Devon Witherspoon. You've got Woolen. Trey Brown's going to compete for a spot uh, after being one of the more exciting cornerbacks that you've uh, brought into this room. Kobe Bryant. You've got a young cornerback room. So it was a little bit confusing at first but you know you take into account the woolen surgery and it's understandable um more continuing with the seahawks and otas the team did sign offensive guard anthony bradford one of their draft picks uh nose tackle robert cooper was waived as uh, the Artie burns deal was made official that day this is on the 23rd um the team also on the 23rd finalized their preseason dates and times we had opponents uh, weeks one through three, but we didn't have any dates or times for that. So week one will be August 10th versus the Minnesota Vikings here at Lumen Field with a seven o'clock kickoff. Uh, week two, August 19th versus the Cowboys here is at 7 p.m. And then week three to wrap up the preseason, um, August 26th at the Packers at Lambeau with a 10 a.m. start, which is going to be interesting for a preseason game, but I digress. Um, and then the last piece of news here out of Seahawks uh, camp OTAs, the team worked out quarterback EJ Perry, uh, former Texans and Jaguars quarterback, a former two-time All-Ivy League performer at Brown, the offensive MVP of the Shrine Bowl, and the had the top athleticism test score of any quarterback in his combine. So that was is interesting. Again, competition with, with moves like that, you know, considering the quarterback spot or the move like Burns, you've got to consider the competition part of things. Pete Carroll lives for that sort of lives for that word in general. So just always keep that in mind, you know, when moves like that are made Um, and league related news, this one kind of caused some controversy. I'm kind of okay with it, uh, but I also get uh, the folks, especially the players that are saying it's, we're getting closer and closer to removing special teams as a whole. Uh, The league approved a new fair catch rule. Um, Fair catches behind the 25 yard line will result in the ball starting at the 25 as well as any fair catch beyond the 25 resulting in the ball being placed at the spot of the catch. So that's interesting. Uh, I don't know how that'll go, but um, I don't know. It's tough with kickoffs considering how, how 
big the possibility, how, how increased the possibility of injury is on those. Um, but at the same time, also, it's like special teams are such a big part of the game. You don't want to just remove that outright. So I don't know. I can get both sides to an extent, but I like to listen to the players more so than anything else. Um, so, you know, we'll move over here. Uh, we're going to look first at the upcoming dates um, for the Seahawks as I, as I was wrong previously. And I said that, uh, see, <laughs> actually we're going to kind of cool off for a bit. Uh, there are different OTA offseason workouts include the May 22nd, 24th or 25th, May 30th, which is tomorrow, uh, June 1st and 2nd, and then June 12th through 14th. And then mandatory mini camp is June 6th through 8th. Obviously OTAs don't include the word mandatory. So any sort of, uh, anger about those guys and any certain veteran not being there doesn't necessarily make sense because they don't have to be there. So uh, we move over here to our Mariners who are continuing their 10 game homestand uh, end the month of May uh, began with a, well, Oh yeah, it did. it did begin with a four game stretch against the Oakland athletics, the franchise and the team that continue to struggle uh, for unfortunate reasons. May 22nd versus the athletics was an 11 to two win. our player of the game left fielder, Jared Kalnick, Kalnick three hits, two runs, three RBIs and a two run homer as Luis Castillo recorded his 1000th career strikeout in that game. Our player, the, our photo, the, Oh wait, we did not have one for that game. Um, that was a big one. I mean, Kalnick had a big game, as you can see, with uh, being named player of the game. But Julio Rodriguez also got going pretty well in that one, reached base all five times that he went to the plate, uh, recorded three hits on the day. So nice to see Julio have that sort of start to the homestand after he had been relatively struggling to begin the year. Uh, same with Jared continuing to push forward. And Seattle gets a nice blowout win to start the homestand. May 23rd in game two versus the Athletics, a 3-2 to two win, a nice and tight one. Uh, the player of the game shortstop, J.P. Crawford. J.P. one hit, one run, two RBIs, one walk, and a two-run homer uh, to tie that game up. Um, and then uh, Ty France, just a batter after, and you can see our uh, picture of the game here from Live Lions, uh, had a solo shot to give the Mariners a lead that they would never look back from. Uh, May 24th in Game 3 versus the Athletics, a 6-1 to win. Our play of the game right-handed pitcher, Bryce Miller. Miller continues his historic start to his young career. Six innings pitched, two hits allowed, no runs allowed, one walk, and six strikeouts. Uh in that game on the 23rd, France had been hit on the hand by a pitch um, and caused some major swelling. It didn't hit his wrist, which has caused some problems before. Uh, so he just took the day off. And as you can see here in our picture of the game by Brian Saldana, uh, Sam Haggerty was playing at first. I just can only imagine what uh, positions Haggerty will not have played by the time that his career has ended. Um, Haggerty got up here, got some elevation. Uh, I don't know if he was, uh, he felt like a bird and he wanted to fly away, but he really went up uh, to get this one. I was able to make the tag on Athletics first baseman Ryan Noda. To close out the series against the Athletics on May 25th, the Mariners would win that one 3-2, to two, same as Game 2. I played the game first baseman Ty France. The Frenchman, two hits, three runs, and two RBIs. A multi-homer game in his first game back from injury. Uh, only the second multi-homer game of his career. That other one coming in 2019 when he was a member of the Padres uh, against the San Francisco Giants. So any sort of quarrel or upsetness that France was not getting uh, – any more rest there or the, the thoughts of him having a slump or something uh, were quickly, quickly quieted down. Any exaggerations about his condition were just that exaggerated. Um, and the Mariners would complete the sweep. They'd get the brooms out uh, and dust aside the athletics to set up a three game battle with the Pittsburgh pirates for the first time in a series since 2019. Uh, the first time since 2016 that they've played the pirates at home, uh, May 26th versus the pirates in game one, a six to 11 loss. This was a tough one. Uh, the Mariners gave up seven home runs in total four off of George Kirby, uh, just a tough, tough outing uh, for George, who has had a really strong start to his season, who looked like all-star caliber material. Uh, and then he gets thumped by the Pirates. The Mariners didn't have the worst game offensively. Six runs should help you win most any game, really. Uh, play the game center fielder Julio Rodriguez. Julio, two hits, one run, and three RBIs as the Mariners wore their City Connect jerseys for the second time ever uh, in our photo here by Brian Saldana. Uh, as I mentioned, Julio, two hits, one run, three RBIs, and a solo homer. His solo homer in the bottom of the first tied the game at one run each um, as Pittsburgh's Andrew McCutcheon hit a solo homer uh, to lead off the game off of Kirby, and then it was just sort of all down here. Oh, uh, well. Not really. It wasn't all downhill uh, as the Mariners actually kept things, took a lead the next inning and kept things 
get that lead until about the fifth uh, when the Pirates jumped all over Kirby to end his outing poorly. May 27th versus the Pirates, the Mariners bounced back with a 5 to nothing win. They shut out Pittsburgh. Um, our play of the game, right-handed pitcher Luis Castillo, La Piedra, six innings pitched, one hit allowed, only a double in the first inning. Nothing after that. Obviously, no runs allowed. Two walks on the day compared to 10 strikeouts. Uh, so the Mariners get a big bounce back win. They shut out the Pirates, who have been able to swing the bat pretty well uh, to begin the season, uh, setting up the rubber match on Sunday, May 28th. Uh, as you can see there on your screen, that was a 6-3 to three win in extra innings. Our player of the game, third baseman, A. Eugenio Suarez. Gino, one hit, one run, three RBIs, and a walk. It would be a walk-off homer in the bottom of the 10th inning. Um, a three-run shot that went into the Pittsburgh bullpen. Um, it's the third walk-off of his career, uh, third walk-off homer. My apologies. All of them have come as a Mariner, um, and it's the first Mariner's walk-off homer since Cal Raleigh's clinch last season against the Athletics. We've got two photos of the game here. You can see A. Eugenio Suarez getting doused by water uh, in the dugout after his walk-off by Ty France. And then the local guy, the local reliever from Maple Valley, spent some time at Tacoma Community College, Taylor Sacedo. Sacedo came up with a huge strikeout of young Pirate star Key Brian Hayes uh, with the bases loaded in the top of the 10th. They get the Mariners to the bottom of the 10th, send them into the walk-off, but a huge, huge moment for Sacedo. As a, again, I mentioned a local guy to get that strikeout, and you can see the emotion here from him captured by Liv. Um, our player of the week, before we get into general discussion on that past homestand so far, uh, as the Mariners still have three games to go, um, Julio Rodriguez. Julio, again, uh, there was rumors of a sophomore slump. Uh, talk. There was a really horrible article about him getting potentially traded, which, you know, just I don't know why we look at some of these things. Um, but, you know, he's getting pitched differently than he was in his rookie year. That's going to happen year to year. People are going to adjust. He's got to adjust. And he seems to be adjusting um, in this home center. And this could be a really big jettison point for him moving forward throughout the course of the season. Over Julio's last seven games, he's got 14 hits, six runs, seven RBIs, two homers, one stolen base, a 467 batting average, a 484 on base percentage, and an 800 even slugging percentage, um, which all of those numbers are really good. And he'll need to continue that as the Mariners welcome the Bronx Bombers to town starting tonight at 640 p.m. Pacific. I mean, to go six and one over your past seven games to begin the homestand is pretty solid. Um and hard to argue against. I mean, you needed to sweep the Oakland Athletics. That, that was a minimum. They've only won 10 games. I think they're 10 and 42 right now. I could be wrong. They could be even worse. Um, but uh, you handled business there. You know, winning those two close games, three to two in each instance was a little bit odd. Uh, I guess every dog has his day. Uh, but then the Pirates, you know, they've had a pretty strong start to their season. They are uh, second in their division currently, at least last time I checked, and they were only a half game out of uh, first place the other day. So it's not like the Pirates are a bad team. They've relatively struggled as of late, but they've still got a good amount of talent, some veteran talent. Brian Reynolds is still excellent. Uh, G1 Bay made an incredible catch in center field yesterday to keep a J.P. Crawford probably a triple off the board uh, in the 10th inning. In the ninth inning, I apologize. Um, so Pittsburgh is a good ball team, but what's important, and I've said it in our, our, our recaps, so make sure um, that you're looking at those uh, for the games here, and we'll get this rolling on the screen, um, is that, you know, this obviously it, winning the games is important. The winning, you know, that's step number one. But the individual performances that you're seeing from the lineup, you know, JP Crawford and Jaron Kelnick have been this offense for most of the year to begin the year. Ty France and Julio Rodriguez have relatively struggled. Those two have been performing well, this homestand and have been getting into a groove and clicking, you know, and that's so, so key. Cal Raleigh has been clicking, even though he'd been dealing with um, a, a relatively minor injury, so to say earlier in the homestand, you know, you've got this pitching staff and we know how good this pitching staff has been, uh, whether that be the rotation or, or the bullpen. And I mentioned Sacedo. Sacedo has been excellent and they just used him in one of the higher leverage situations he's gotten uh, easily the highest high leverage situation that he's gotten as a, as a member of the Mariners. Uh, you know, Trevor God's performed well. Gabe Spires coming and performed well. Uh, you know, this team is still right now without Andres Munoz and Penn Murphy, which is incredible to say, and they might get Casey Sadler around the all-star break. 
So, you know, things are starting to click. And that's why <clears throat> if you look back into earlier May or April, you know, I caution you because it's the early part of the season. You know, there are always collapses. There are, are teams that adjust after having a slow start. The Phillies were horrible to begin last year, and they made the World Series. You know, so uh, I, it's it's a game. There's 162 games in an MLB regular season. I caution you to throw, uh, you know, the team into the fire in the first three months. Things are going to be fine. Um and, and I talked about it in previous weeks and last year, obviously, but this Mariners team has often become too reliant on the long ball. That hasn't been the case in these games that they've been winning in this homestand. They've been actually racking up singles and base hits. And they had a, a game against the Pirates where they had like seven doubles. Uh, Ty France leads the team in doubles with 15. Jared Connick's right behind him with 14. Uh, that could be it could be uh, outdated. They might have more, uh, but they, they're getting on base with walks. You know, Eugenio Suarez, and I believe uh, one one of the games, uh, one of the three to two games against the Athletics, um, the inning started out hot for Gino. Gino had gone down to the clubhouse to take care of some business. Um, Julio Rodriguez hit the first pitch, so that's quick. Jared Kelnick was intentionally walked, so that's quick. And so it forced Gino to go up to the plate, not having uh, discussed really what um, Garrett Action, the reliever for the Athletics, was going to throw at him. And he was still able to draw a walk with the bases loaded and give the Mariners a one-run lead that they would eventually need to win that game. So, you know, again, that patience and that plate presence and, and – the Mariners for years have talked about this mantra of controlling the zone, whether that be on the offensive end of things where, you know, you control the strike zone, you're able to dominate the strike zone, um, you're able to take good pitches or on the, uh, the, the, the pitching end of things uh, and the defensive end of things where you're able to throw strikes, you know, and that's something they talked about Taylor Sacedo about um, that he mentioned in the postgame presser yesterday. He talked about how when he was brought in here, they said, you get a little bit out of the zone sometimes, but when you're in it, you're really good. And he, he mentioned that this might be a small note for some, but it was a really inspiring message of, uh, of confidence for him. So, you know, it's, this is sustainable baseball that they're playing right now, and they're improving. They're stacking wins. They're stacking momentum, whether that be as a team or individually. You know, there's still some guys who could perform a little bit better. Uh, you know, that's obvious case, but it's a, this is a very encouraging homestand. Obviously, you've got three games against the Yankees. The Yankees, one of the most recognizable brands in all the sports. So it's always nice to beat New York, especially after last year where they had that 13-inning thriller. Um, that series in, in Seattle around is pretty good, and even the one in New York. Um, and it's a good test. It's a good test. You know, the Yankees are, are only third in their division right now, but that's considering that the uh, Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays have had incredible beginnings to their seasons so far. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a big bout. The Yankees are nine games above 500 at this moment. Uh, Domingo Herman, after being suspended, is getting his first start tonight against young Bryce Miller. So it's a good test. It's a good test early in the season. Um, if you can finish off this homestand with a series win, let alone, uh, I'm not going to even say that. If they can finish it off positively, even bigger. You know, and then after this game, after this game, after this series against the Yankees, you go down to the to Texas in that ugly warehouse dome of a stadium that they call home uh, against the Rangers, and you play a team that leads the division right now, which is another test. So building these wins that I feel like is important instead of if you went into those with a, a middling attitude. And, you know, so it's encouraging. It's encouraging to see right now with the Mariners, and that's what I'm happy about. You know, that's what to move forward with. Uh, and they can continue that tonight. How likely that is, I mean, the Yankees are a good team, so I'm not going to guarantee anything. Uh, we move over here to injury-related news. On the 22nd, uh, General Manager Justin Hollander provided some injury updates on a few key players, uh, including Andres Munoz, who you see on your screen there. Uh, Right-handed pitcher Easton McGee is likely in need of Tommy John surgery, which will put him out for 12 to 14 months. Quote from Justin Hollander, it's likely going to result in Tommy John surgery for him. What they're seeing is that the instability in his UCL is causing the flexor to not heal properly. Uh, so no matter how much you do under rehab for the flexors, that UCL ligament seems to be causing a problem. Um, they don't know for sure, but he's likely headed for Tommy John. Um, that's unfortunate just to end McGee's uh, season relatively in the next 12 to 14 months, as I mentioned. Um, you know, McGee came in in the Blue Jays series and threw an excellent game, uh, only allowed one hit, and the one hit he allowed was like the last batter he faced. So, you know, 
pretty, pretty solid for McGee there. Just unfortunate that it ends that way for him this season. Uh, infielder slash outfielder Dylan Moore may join the team this homestand. There are three games left in the homestand. We'll have to see about that. He's been with the Rainiers as of late. Um, so that'll be interesting to note the quote from Hollander. He's here today. This was on the 22nd. Again, um, he's going to transition his rehab from to, to Tacoma tomorrow uh, when they pick up uh, hopefully on this sometime on this home. he'll be back and ready to go. Uh, Hollander reminded us that more did not have a spring training. So he's relatively coming into these things somewhat. He's still building up strength and getting back into the groove of baseball. He hasn't had the same sort of off season that his teammates have had. He has no had no buildup from the winter for roughly to go. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how when when they get more back into the swing of things. We'll look at some of his stats here. Um, hmm, this is not helpful. Uh, hmm. With Dylan. Hmm. Well, in his uh, 2023 MI minor league stats, he's had 24 at bats, seven hits, four runs, four RBIs, two stolen bases for a batting average of 292, which isn't bad, you know, and you can't completely base minor leagues, uh, especially with a guy like Moore who's on a rehab assignment on the numbers. Uh, the Mariners probably just want to see the right things from him moving forward. Um, but again, three games left in the homestand that would probably require a roster move. So I'm not sure if more will be somebody that we do see by the end of the home setting it might be a road trip um, addition for Seattle. We look over here uh, as we continue the injury related updates. Um, Andres Munoz and Penn Murphy are getting back to throwing soon. Uh, as you can see on the photo there with Andres and uh, that photo from live from spring training. Um, the quote from Hollander on Munoz and Murphy's and Munoz. I think the update was he had gotten the PRP shot. Uh, he feels great coming off of that. He's progressing towards what we hope is activation sometime on the next road trip. This is as optimistic as he has felt as he's ramped up the run and as good as he's felt each time through. Hopefully we're progressing towards an activation sometime on the road trip. I believe he's throwing a touch and field bullpen today, which again was on the 22nd, uh, and that will lead into progressively more significant throwing off the mound and facing hitters and then rehab assignment. Penn Murphy is kind of in the same spot. He had a PRP last week. He's on the same timeline as Mooney. Obviously, it's been less downtime for Penn. Once he gets on the mound, it will be faster. The buildup for Penn, again, hope is to activate him sometime on the upcoming road trip. So Seattle would get two of their best relievers back on this road trip, you know, uh, as they continue to stack momentum, as I've mentioned. So this could be a really big deal for Seattle. You know, again, you've got the Yankees coming up for these next three games, and you've got the, the Rangers after that who currently lead your division. So getting these sort of reinforcements for the team would be big. Uh, I, there's no clear timeline for that as, as Hollander said, but something to keep note of as we continue forward, that those sort of reinforcements can come. I mentioned Casey Sadler. Sadler has a timeline for his return. Finally, um, after having a great 2021, uh, the reliever may be able to join the team again around the all-star break. Hollander said, uh, he's been cleared to begin a throwing program. We're cautiously optimistic given the progress he's made with the PT up here that if all goes well, we're thinking roughly uh, very early on this all-star break type of readiness for him right now. He has made a lot of progress since we shot him back down. He's feeling better, and we're hopeful that he will do that and be able to avoid a second surgical procedure. Uh, so some hope there for Casey Sadler, who had incredible numbers for the Mariners in 2021 and was a big part of that bullpen. Uh, but not so good news on Evan White, the former first, uh, the former gold glover at first base for the Mariners. Um, he suffered another big injury setback. Hollander says that Evan White has recently had surgery and will be out for months at minimum and not weeks. Evan, on the 22nd, had surgery today in New York with Dr. Kelly. The surgery... Um, and this is, I guess, Hollander read the direct quote from the doctor. The surgery released the tendon that was impinging his joint and also cleaned up significant scar tissue and in and around the hip area. We anticipate him coming to Arizona at the end of next week. Then we'll need to see how he responds to the rehab in order to map out a timeline for his return. It will be obviously a lengthy rehab process. I don't think he's four weeks away from rehab. I'd say three months minimum. For him to be back out on a baseball field and some sort of rehab type activity slash baseball activity. They do feel like the surgery helped by releasing detected and cleaning out what they deem significant scar tissue around the hip. 
So just unfortunate. You know, if you've been following the Mariners at all the last few years, Evan White has displayed great power at the plate. Um, obviously won the gold glove in 2020 with the Mariners, just hasn't been able to stay healthy since that sort of thing. Uh, Ty France came in and take that job and he's got that job. He's not going anywhere. I remember before this season started in spring training, people were saying that Evan White would come in and take that first base job again. And that Ty would move to second or something, which I just don't think was going to happen. Um, and you know, now you've got this injury with white. So that's just unfortunate. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we'll see Evan White wear a Mariners uniform once again. I don't. I really don't. Um, as I mentioned, on the 23rd, France was hit on the hand with a pitch. Again, it was on the hand. It was not the wrist. It was the fatty part of his hand right here and not the wrist. You can see the wrist right there. It was more on this fatty part, and it swelled up, and he has a brace on it. Going forward, he goes, if they make the padding, why not wear it? Um, but... He avoided an injury-less stint, and he, avo he only missed the one game. Um, on May 24th, uh, it was an interesting one, this that athletic series, because several of the Mariners' batters were hit. Uh, two players left that game on the 24th due to injury-related reasons. Uh, third baseman Eugenio Suarez left the game to get ice on his right foot slash ankle after being hit with a foul ball on the on-deck circle. So that one was a little odd. I believe they were playing cautious on that one, uh, especially considering if we go back to the score of the game on the 24th they won six to one yeah so there's no reason to keep him in and then aj pollock uh left the game with tightness slash an issue in his leg on a stolen base so that was interesting uh to wrap up on with team news here for our mariners uh julio rodriguez is now sponsored by alaska airlines the center fielder um for every homer that he hits uh 44 fans will receive a free alaska airlines round trip flight so I mean, considering his recent swing, that doesn't seem like a bad deal whatsoever. So we'll see if that continues. Um, speaking of continuing, the Mariners will move on with their season here as they welcome the Bronx Bombers to town. They face the Yankees for three games. All three of them, May 29th, 30th, and 31st, are all 6.40 p.m. Pacific time start times. Yes, even though Wednesday is technically uh, the last game of the homestand, and normally that is a getaway game, this is not the case. They are not playing a day game on Wednesday. It is a night game, uh, and they will finish it out against the Yankees there, hopefully with a series win, but we'll have to see about that. Um, and then if we look over here to the road trip, so after the Wednesday game on Thursday, they will get the day off. Um, and then they'll go down to play the division-leading Texas Rangers, which will be a big deal. Uh, again, division-leading. I don't need to say much more. Uh, that begins on June 2nd with a 5.05 p.m. Per, uh, first pitch. June 3rd is a 1.05 first pitch. And then June 4th at the Rangers to wrap up that series down in Arlington is an 11.35 a.m. first pitch. So big series there. You've got the Yankees in town. Anytime you play the Yankees, it's a big deal, just whether because they're, they're good or just the hype that comes with the Yankees um, and then the division leading Rangers um, to start that road trip. Our storm following a historic loss were able to put things in a much closer light uh, than the season opener against the Las Vegas Aces. They welcomed the Dallas Wings to town, uh, playing the second of three games at home to begin the season. Uh, a four point loss, not a 41. So Big difference. Uh, May 26 versus the Wings, a 91 to 95 loss. Our player of the game, Jewel Lloyd, once again at the shooting guard position, 30 points, three assists, two rebounds, and a career high for a game, three blocks. Uh, this was a tough one. This was a tough one. Once again, just like the Aces game, Seattle started out hot with Yvonne Turner running the point. Mercedes Russell was getting some, some nice play in the paint. And then I mentioned the paint. And then uh, once again, the storm just it's like paint pain. They, they, they're getting beat inside historically um, through, I believe the first quarter, the storm were on pace to give up 72 points in the paint. Um, they just getting beat bad in the paint. And I, I wonder why, I mean, she didn't get any minutes in this last game. Why you're not putting Dulce Fankum and Giotto in, uh, Benjadu, pardon me, um, to get some minutes as, as one of the bigs, you know, I don't see why that would be the case. Um, it's no slight necessarily on Izzy Magbagor or Mercedes Russell, but I don't think it would hurt to try something, especially considering the fact that you're in a new, in a new era with this Storm team. 
give these players chances to develop, get some Jade Melbourne in there more. You know, she didn't get, I don't think, any minutes in this game against Dallas. Uh, Dulce didn't get any either. So that I don't necessarily agree with. I get it was a tight game. I feel like you could have done that, though, in the, the second and third quarter. Um, you know, Seattle had to claw back into this one late. With three minutes left, they were down by 11 points, and I was kind of thinking they might be out of it. Um, but they had some players step up along the way. Uh, Kia Nurse had a big game in this one after only playing three minutes in the second half of the season opener. Um, Arela Girantes had a huge uh Fourth quarter, I'd argue. She was in for most of the key moments in that game. Sammy Whitcomb hit a couple big shots down the stretch after being cold to begin the game. Uh, Drew Lloyd is Drew Lloyd. I mean, watching Drew Lloyd play basketball is a treat. Um, but it, it was a tough ending. It was a tough ending because Dallas had missed a shot on their end uh, with plenty of time left for Seattle to get up a final shot. The storm could not get that final rebound, and it went right to Satu Sabli, uh, who put the ball back up for a quick two and to extend that lead. And then on the storm inbound, uh, with I believe it was like a, a second and and tenths left, uh, the inbound went into the paint where Ezzy Magbagor and a few other storm players weren't looking at it, and it bounced right off of Ezzy's head. It was like a bad joke. Um, and the Storm lost that one. So it was tough. Again, it's, it's going to be a long season. I don't expect the Storm to win many games at all. But to show the fight that they did in this one, to, to display that they probably could have won this game had it been, you know, they just, it seemed like they just ran out of time. Um, obviously, their presence in the paint has to be better, whether that's – they actually won the rebound battle in this game, so I can't, like, be upset about rebounding. But points in the paint is a different thing. They're getting beat inside, and they're not getting anything inside on the other end of the court. So that's something for them to look forward to. Um, but uh, I could only wonder um, how many times our player of the game is going to be Jewel Lloyd this season. I'm going to start counting. This is two games out of 40 so far. So we'll see that um, throughout the course of the year. In team-related news uh, for our storm here, this is an interesting one. It's kind of been kind of been back and forth. Um, will she, won't she, will we get some clarity sort of thing? We haven't really. On the 22nd, the Gabby Williams saga continues. Uh, Williams is unsure about playing in the WNBA after there was just so much back and forth. So this report came out on the 22nd, as I mentioned. Uh, excuse me, Kevin Pelton, a senior writer at ESPN, uh, quote, Restricted free agent Gabby Williams has yet to decide whether to play in the WNBA this season after having her contract suspended by French club Asville prior to the deadline set by the league's new prioritization role, according to her agent. Um, it's an option for Gabby, her agent says. For now, she's prioritizing her health while taking into account her French national team commitments this summer. From there, we can start to evaluate availability for the WNBA, but as of today, we are still a couple steps away. Now, that's interesting for a couple reasons, and this whole Williams situation is interesting because uh, a friend of mine put this put this situation uh, and this potential scenario into my head. Obviously, this season for the Storm isn't going well, uh, and it probably won't go very well. But... What if the case is, you know, Williams is a good player. Williams, we've seen that athletic defensively, showed some good games last year on the offensive side of the ball um, when she clicks. Uh, but she's not a transformational player. This isn't a Brianna Stewart that's going to, you know, completely swing uh, this team around. And that's not necessarily a slight against Gabby. It's, it's just arguable truth. Um, so if she were to come back this year, it, it, it wouldn't necessarily make too much of a difference. Um, and it might cut into – it's not as easy for her uh, to get ready for her French national team responsibilities if she was over here as compared to being overseas right now. The scenario is what if Gabby waits till next year when Seattle's got that number one overall pick, whether that be a, a, a Caitlin Clark or somebody. Um, they've got that number one overall pick, and they have better chances next year. With, you know, Maybe they get another free agent. Uh, and Williams is able to come in for an actual good team, arguably, um, after having, you know, being able to play with the French national team and having not having the WNBA season this year stick with uh, uh, contrast with that. So uh, we're, we're saying this on May 29th of 2023. If this comes true next year, I don't know. We'll celebrate it somehow. But 
It was an interesting scenario and it honestly made a lot of sense to me when I heard it. So I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. So anyway, we won't talk about this ands or buts. We'll move forward uh, with our storm here who have two games uh, over the course of the next week. And they're not going to be any easier uh, than what the storm have had to deal with earlier in the season. Seattle sits at an 0-2 record right now and they're at the bottom of the Western Conference. Um, their next game tomorrow, June 30th, is against these New York Liberty, who are two of the two, uh, the second of the two super teams in the league. Um, and Seattle will have to, had to play both of them within their first three games of the regular season. That game is at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Um, uh, let me make sure I get you the broadcast schedule for that so I don't just sit here and give you... Oh, that's not helpful. Um We'll get you where to watch this game against the Liberty because this is obviously a big battle. Brianna Stewart's coming back to Seattle for the first time since leaving the team. This one's on ESPN2. Um, okay, that makes that easy. And then, so the second game of the week for the Storm is on June 3rd at the LA Sparks, who the team played in the preseason and got a win against. So the only win, if we we're including preseason, that the Storm have gotten this year have come against the Sparks. So maybe they can do that again the on the third june 3rd at the sparks a seven o'clock tip that's on the cbs sports network uh fox 13 plus and amazon prime video which if you're in the state of washington you can just watch it on amazon prime video makes it easy so we'll do that um well i was gonna say speaking about easy but it wasn't easy for the seattle sounders here this past week who were able to get back in the win column um over the past week they hosted the new york red bulls for the first time in just around four years which is the longest break between opponents uh in all of the mls uh it was the longest break now it doesn't exist anymore so the past week may 27th versus the new york red bulls a one to nothing win our play of the match goalkeeper stefan fry steph uh a 7.8 match rating, three saves, 1.14 expected goals um, on target faced. So he arguably could have, she should have had a goal against, but he denied that. And three recoveries, uh, which it resulted in a league leading eighth clean sheet on the year. I mean, this was a big one. Uh, they don't play the Red Bulls very often, as I mentioned. Um, and they were without a a 11th player for the last 15 minutes as Jao Paulo was given a second yellow and a relatively soft call. I mean, there was no clear and obvious intent to take that player down. I understand that he was on his second yellow. So, I, I mean, sure, a little bit, but even then giving him a yellow for that call was just pretty, pretty soft, pretty disappointing, uh, especially considering that Jao Paulo doesn't have this sort of discipline history um so to say and it just it was it was a bad call bottom of the line it was a bad call um we'll go to our picture of the game here by brian saldana uh, jordan morris would a, would score the first goal of the match early on but instantly after he scored he was wincing and he he, he, was, he looked upset and you're like, well, why does he look upset? He just scored a goal. He would leave with a groin injury. Uh, there's no official designation as of yet uh, with that injury to Morris. Uh, Morris himself said he would be back in two weeks. I don't know if that's going to be true. If that's the case, he will miss the doubleheader against the Portland uh, Portland Timbers on the third, which is unfortunate. Um, but I guess long-term you know, health. <sighs> long-term health is a bigger issue and a more present issue than uh trying to force him to play through anything right now and especially with the groin injury you don't want to mess with that so just unfortunate for morris um you know getting that goal it was the leo true to jordan morris connection once again uh, a connection that had terrorized sporting kansas city uh down in kansas city in that matchup when morris had four goals uh had jettisoned both morris and true up to goals for morris and assists for true in the top of the league, respectively. Um, and both of those guys were roughed up. Even Leo Chu was roughed up pretty bad in this game. He had stitches on his lip. Um, he got pretty banged up. He, go, he goes, those guys are trying to kill me. And I was like, oh, goodness. Uh, that man just welcomed, uh, he and his wife just welcomed a baby into the world. So, you know, got to be careful with him. Um, we'll move on here with injury-related news. On the 23rd, midfielder Christian Roldan returned to training, and Brian Schmetzer had an uh, update on forward Raul Diaz. We're not going to do something rash because we've had some bad results. 
you press and then you make a bad decision that affects that long-term health of Raul, which we're just not going to do that. He was talking about the last two matches that the Sounders had lost in Austin FC uh, and the Vancouver Whitecaps. They were able to win this week. Raul was technically on the bench, but he did not come out. Um, he did not come on as a substitute in this game uh, against the Red Bulls. So, I, yeah, I would rather not just try and force him out there. It just seems like a bad idea. Uh, the injury report against the Red Bulls, some of the usual suspects, uh, except it's, it's, it's the same guys from the last week. When I mentioned those last five guys for the Austin match and the Vancouver match, it's just that Raul Rui Diaz is questionable and it was able to be on the bench for this one. So Ethan Doubleair continues to be out with a right angle sprain. Christian Roldan continues to work back from a concussion protocols. But as I mentioned earlier in the uh, team injury notes on the 23rd, he was uh, in training. Uh, he might be a few weeks out, though, still. Kellen Rowe continues about with a left knee sprain, and Obed Vargas uh, still out with the uh, – he's on international duty. So Seattle without some key players. I mean, Raul is a starter. Christian's a starter. Kellen Rowe's good um, defensive depth, and Obed Vargas has been able to start for this club. So you're missing some key guys, and now you're going to miss Jordan Morris for some period of time. So they're, they're battling through it, but – ooh, and I have to see if the state – after the win against the Red Bulls because of points, the Sounders were at the top of the Western Conference. And I want to make sure. Yes, they're still atop the Western Conference. All right. Yay. Uh, <laughs> uh, with an eight win, five loss, two draw record, the Sounders sit at 23 points on the year so far. Wait, the 26. Oops. Uh, 26 points on the year so far. Uh, they're fifth in the league as a whole, but first in the Western Conference. Uh, looking ahead, their next match is May 31st, this Wednesday, versus the San Jose Earthquakes with a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time start. It's the first time that the Sounders will battle the Earthquakes uh, since the regular season finale last year, which ended in a draw. Oh, I lied. The Sounders are second in the, in the league and first in the Western Conference. Oops. Um, since that, that relatively boring draw in the regular season finale last year, they'll play San Jose. And then June 3rd uh, versus the Portland Timbers is that big double header match with the OL Reign where both teams from Seattle will play both teams from Portland. Um, that match is at 1.30 p.m. Pacific time for the Sounders. So 1.30. If you are going to the... Uh, if you are going to the doubleheader, uh, your ticket to either match will get you into both of those games. Um, so, I mean, you can say for both. I'm going to be there for both. It's going to be a long day, but it should be a fun day. Um, oops, I got to switch hats. Here we go. Uh, keeping with that, and it's it's a good transition considering the Kraken season is over, um, and I just mentioned the doubleheader. We go over to our OL Reign here who... Last week was a really tough loss. That four to one loss at home against Gotham, uh, just really demoralizing. Uh, this week, not so much, not so much whatsoever. They flipped the script. They beat Angel City FC uh, for. Ooh, let me check that. But they beat Angel City at home uh, four to one. So they flipped the script. Script. <laughs> they flipped the script of the the score last week, and they beat Angel City with four unanswered goals after Angel City scores an Olympico uh, to begin the game. Um, it's a two big performances in this one. I just want to double check the result um, of the Angel City. So they drew. Okay, so they still haven't lost Angel City in their existence yet since Angel City came to the league last year. Um, two players of the match here. First, Megan Rapino. Megan, a 9.8 match rating. That is at a 10. That's one of the higher match ratings I've ever seen. Three assists on the day, five shots, 71% passing, which is, you know, I go through the, the five shots and the passing percentage, and that's fine. Nine chances created is, is the highest number of chances I've ever seen created in a single match by a player. Uh, and 10 passes into the final third. Now, through the first, um, say, 20 minutes or so before Elise Bennett scored on the Rapino service, uh, Rapino, you know, some of the, the some of the services and some of the the free kicks just didn't look that great. And it was like, oh well, this just isn't that great. Rapino had the nice ball in to Elise Bennett for for Bennett's first goal as a member of the Reign, and then. Two other two other assists there to Veronica Latsko. Um, 
and who is our second player of the match here. And we'll go to our picture of the game captured by Liz Walter. Um, 9.8 match rating for Latsko, two goals on six shots and a 72% passing. It's Latsko's first career uh, NWSL brace. Some history in this match. I mean, Megan Rapino became the fifth player in league history to record three assists in one match. And with those three assists, he jumped up to first place in the reign all-time assist category. So Rapino continues to, to rewrite the history books and continues to add to her legacy as her career moves on. But that is something that I do want to mention, all things considered, uh, with Rapino. Excuse me. Pardon me on that. With Rapino, the last few weeks, and especially after that loss, I get that it was a is a you know a thumping loss. You lose four to one to Gotham. You hadn't lost that bad. I think since I think 2019, <clears throat> and and they've lost in their in their entire history. They've lost that bad like five times, and three of them have been to Gotham. And it's like, what is this all about? The point being. There was some exaggeration following that loss to Gotham, and especially about Megan Rapino. Uh, there were some some exaggerated comments about retirement uh, that people made, and her being benched. Um, just you know, didn't, didn't didn't make any sense. And in this game, she really Megan Rapino has a a tendency to really use that fuel to the fire, uh, and that came that came present today. You know, and Veronica Latsko, I talked about her. Uh, being somebody who Jordan Heidema a few weeks ago against in the dash, uh, the dash win uh, where Lasko had a goal and an assist, talked about how important Lasko was this team, how she's one of the hardest trainers. Uh, I believe Laura Harvey, head coach Laura Harvey, mentioned how, how hard uh, Lasko practices and how she's one of the hardest trainers that she's ever seen. Um, Latsko provides defensive help. The Reign were practicing with her as an outside back, uh, potentially for when uh, the World Cup comes around and players like Sofia Huerta are gone. Uh, just the importance that Latsko has had. You know, all of those forwards. To see Bennett get her first goal as a member of the Reign was big. Uh, Bethany Balser had some chances here in this one. Uh, Quinn, uh, who's struggled, they, they, they were out for most of the season earlier uh, to this point with, with an injury that they suffered in preseason. So, you know, for them to score the fourth and final goal of the game, uh, the first goal in their career in the NWSL was big. So this was just a big swing. I talked in the Mariners segment about how this um, that homestand for them could really be a big jettison point for them throughout the course of the season. Now, the Reign have started this regular season off well, so they don't necessarily need um, – to, 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 you know, a launch point or a big swell to get them moving forward. But what could help them, you know, is this a match like this, kind of similar to the Chicago match when the, the, the rain won five to two, shows them that they're finishing works. And, and to get that, Laura Harvey talked about it in the presser um, after this win against Angel City about the importance of building out of the back, of building out of their defensive effort. And that was true. So it, it was maybe it just needed. There's a good with the iOS update. There's a good update of emoji where it's shaking and its head's kind of, it's got the the motion lines. But maybe they just needed to be shuck around a little bit. Maybe they needed a loss like that to really wake them up and get them moving forward once again and keep things on track, keep them focused. Because there is a lot of uh, chatter, so to say, around this club. You know, with the potential sale from Olympic Lyon, uh, Michelle Kang. Uh, you know. Uh, not having a GM right now, you know, even though it's been rumored that uh, they'll they'll get that, you know, obviously not having Rose Lavelle uh, and and the, the possibility per our, our friend Bella Munson that that Lavelle will be out until the World Cup for the rain. She won't play for the rain until that she returns from that. So there's a lot uh, going on, you know, with the rain right now, and that's fine, but. It, it, you know, and Rapino talked about this in the post game. Uh, and it was nice to get an answer like this on a topic like this from Rapino, uh, because it's like, who else would you rather have talk about this outside of maybe one of the three OGs, right? Um, was putting this in perspective, you know, a win like this is good to get you throughout the course of the week in training. Um, and especially this week, this is a big week for the club. Um, as I mentioned with the Sounders, it's relatively the same schedule, just different teams. Um, 
wow, even the midweek match, both of them are against California related teams. That's kind of funny. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll touch on the injury report against Angel City quickly. Uh, no questionables, but out uh, three of the usual suspects over the last few weeks. Angelina continues to be out as she continues to bounce back from that season-ending injury last year. Again, mentioned still with training. Rose Lavelle, uh, there was a report, as I mentioned, and I kind of teased it from our friend Bella Munson uh, with Equalizer that Rose Lavelle suffered a setback and she might not play for the rain uh, before the World Cup takes place, which is unfortunate considering the level of play that Lavelle brings in the midfield, um, the presence that she has. So, might not see her until after the World Cup. Uh, defender Phoebe McLaren has been, quote-unquote, progressing well, but has not been back in training yet as she continues to deal with a back injury. Uh, midfielder Marley Canales is a new addition. She was out with COVID protocol from this match. So, interesting. Um our Reigns today, five win, three loss, one draw record, which is good for currently third in the NWSL table. Uh, they're tied for that spot uh, with, let me see, let me go back. It was Gotham and Portland, but because of the head-to-head with Gotham, and there must be another tiebreaker with the Thorns. The Reign are sitting at third, yes. So, oh, well, no, Gotham has 17 points. I lied. So Gotham outright, uh, but the, wow. The two through four spots, no, two through five, are all tied at 16 points. So the top of the top of the league is pretty tight. And then at the bottom is Kansas City, who just kind of sucks. That's unfortunate. Sorry for them. Um, uh, the rain deuce it at first in the West in Challenge Cup play, so that's relatively nice. Um, in their division, they have one win and one draw, so it's not like there's too much going on. Um, but speaking of Challenge Cup, this next match that you see on your screen here, May 31st versus the San Diego Wave at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, this one is a is at San Diego. I apologize on the road. Uh, this is a Challenge Cup match, so another chance to to continue towards that one million dollar prize pool money for each player. Um, the one billion dollar prize pool money. I apologize um, on Wednesday. So they'll have that. They won't get a full week of training before before their doubleheader match against the Portland Thorns, the same day as that Sounders one. As I mentioned, again, if you buy one ticket to the, one of the matches, it gets you into both matches. Uh, June 3rd versus the Thorns is a 5.30 p.m. Pacific time start at Lumen Field. We'll see you there for both of those matches throughout the course of the day. It should be fun. I'd love to sweep Portland. Um, after last year, the doubleheader... Um, when the rain won their match, but the Sounders did not. So I'd like to bounce back from that, but we'll see. Um, we go over to our Seawolves here, uh, who continue to roll forward. They continue to roll on. I talked about it last week about the importance uh, of these last few matches uh, in the regular season for the Seawolves before we get to you know the championship series of the playoffs. Um, especially building off of the matches that you had where you had kind of a bunch of bottom feeder teams and you wanted to build momentum against them, you know, tune up against them and really get big performances, especially without your captain, Rico Tatting. Um, they got a big performance in this win against Old Glory DC, the second team uh, at the time. I don't think they've moved. No, they have not moved. The second team in the Eastern Conference uh, in Major League Rugby. Uh, the Seawolves would win that one by a score of 41 to 19. So a good old DC beatdown. Uh, our player of the match again is Wing Ina Futi. Futi, another hat trick. It's second career, second hat trick this season. I believe it's the second in MLR as a whole. Uh, three tries scored, 15 points recorded, eight ball carries, and 172 running meters. Um, so Seattle continues this stretch down the course of the end of the regular season with a big win, as I mentioned, you know, 41 to 19. It wasn't like there was a doubt in this one. They didn't have to necessarily come back from a lot or, or make it this big thing uh, against Old Glory. They were able to win this one by a big margin, uh, you know, especially going into the last. That was the third last game of the regular season. You go, oh, wait, no, fourth last. I apologize. I jumped the gun. Um, you know, this is big. This is big. They continue to be without their captain, which, you know, that's tough to do as a whole. But to get another hat trick out of Futi was big. Um, you know, to have, you know, Ajala Timu continue to play well as he has um, as the fly half for this team. Um, 
it's his okay i apologize this is the third hat trick of his career uh, in mlr and the he becomes the first player in league history to record multiple hat tricks in a season ina to you hats off uh that's ah, goodness gracious you know especially with with futi having those the last few weeks after Hatting had his hat trick against the Jackals against Dallas. Um, I believe, I don't know if this is updated for him. Um, he just, uh, that's, that was huge. It's a big time performance. And as I mentioned, when we learned the news about Hatting being out with injury, we needed people to step up in the foot. has stepped up. That's big. Um, and he, and, and the, the exciting part is about this young wing is that he is, uh, He's, he's, young, he's young, you know, this is somebody that can hopefully contribute to the Seawolves for years to come and who knows, continue to rack up the hat tricks. So very impressive there. Big performance um, from Futi. I'm sure he'll be in the MLR top 15 performers of week 15. I mean, I don't know if that list is out yet. We're going to check if that list is out yet because our next note actually in team related news um, is regarding uh, last week's top 15. No, not, not out yet. Um, but anyway, we'll get to that. So the the uh, on the 23rd, two Seawolves were named to the MLR Top 15 Performers of Week 14. Blindside flanker Ben Landry was 77 running meters, uh, 15 ruck arrivals, and nine tackles made, as well as outside center Dan Creel. Danny, 141 meters run, 11 ruck arrivals, and nine tackles made. So uh, we wrap up our Seawolves section here. The Seawolves sit at an 11-2 record, 11-2, 54 standing points, which is good for second in all of the league behind San Diego. The Legion have already clinched their playoff spot. Uh, with five standing points, the Seawolves will clinch theirs. Uh, the, their next match and the opportunity to clinch that playoff spot is on June 4th versus the Utah Warriors uh, with a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time start time here at Starfire Stadium. We will see you at Starfire for that one. Um, I believe the Utah match was one of the was the second loss of the season um, for the Seawolves. Oh goodness, that was a good match. I mean, uh, it was tough coming off of the loss to San Diego, who I just mentioned has clinched their playoff spot already, and they've been the consummate best team in this in this league this year. Uh, yeah, that was a tight one. That was a seven point. It was a six point loss. Um, down in Utah on April 15th. So Seattle's looking to get some revenge and looking to continue to build their case towards the postseason uh, and clinch a playoff spot. To wrap it up, uh, our Seattle Star of the Week, I thought uh, with her, you could, there were a lot of great options, you know, for this week, whether you could go Julio or Taylor Sacedo after his after that strikeout yesterday, I was really contemplating putting Sacedo. Uh, you could have gone with Rapino, you could have gone with Futi. Uh, yeah, just give them the honorary notes there. But with Veronica Latsko, who I did end up choosing, who, you know, is, is somewhat been a journey, a journey woman veteran around the league, you know, has dealt with some serious injury, um, had a tough giveaway in the last match against Gotham and was really hard on herself for that one and took that personally for her to come back and record her, her first career brace uh, and have this, big performance against angel city as a response it was huge you know and it was great to see that uh someone who who always does what's asked whether it's coming off of the bench in the last 25 minutes to bring a spark or, or play well defensively uh they had her playing outside back as i mentioned uh, earlier in the year um you know whether or, or, or starting a match like she did in this one um Latsko does what she's asked, a consummate professional. Jordan Heidema raved about her, saying that she's one of the better players that she's ever played with. Megan Rapino raved about uh, Veronica Latsko. Obviously, Laura Harvey did as well. So to hear that sort of endorsement and to, to hear how, you know, obviously how close this club is is amazing. Uh, but I wanted to highlight Latsko for this sort of performance, you know, because she's been big in the matches that she's played in for the rain this year, uh, this season, you know, and, and will be big, uh, especially when the World Cup comes around and the rain uh, will lose several players for the World Cup. So that will about wrap us up for the uh, 2023 Memorial Day edition of Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Uh, man, it is it's so fun each week to, whether that's through the course of the week um, or through 
you know, the, every every Monday that we see a, that we get to tell these stories, that we get to see, you know, these different performances um, all across the board. So uh, whether we, we see it in a match this week or a game, you know, it'll be uh, T-Mobile Park tonight as the Mariners take on the Yankees. Uh, makes you remember that famous quote from Ken Griffey Jr. If uh, every team was didn't want to sign me and the Yankees wanted to sign me, I would, would retire or something along those lines. Um, until, regardless, until I see you again, take care of yourselves, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media. <laughs>